Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Dear Bear Book Club. Woo! It's your girls. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm in such like, I'm in such a weird place right now. I'm just like, <sighs> I got rejected for another job and I'm just oh, like, no. Work has just been shitty, and I'm just like, <sighs> yeah. Who so are you? Who am I? Yeah. Who am I? I don't know. Who? Nikki. Oh, I yeah. This is Nikki. <laughs> Hi. Hi. This is Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. No, that's good. We should introduce ourselves. Um. You know. Yeah, so here's a reminder that, you know, everything's not sunshine and roses all the time. But here we are. This is a podcast where we talk to you about books, and that makes me feel a lot better. So, yay. Yay. So, Kirsty, what have you been up to? Anything exciting? Um, no, not a lot. Reading, which is nice. Mm. I am leaning into that feeling of, like, when a book just like captures you and then just like pulls you in that you don't want to do anything else except read like you come home and (laughs) joseph's like oh do you want to watch something i'm like i just want to read and like having that like feeling is just so nice and yeah where you like uh begrudgingly are like oh well i gotta work tomorrow Um, yeah all I really want to do is live the life of just reading all day, but I guess I'm going to have to change it up a bit. That's but... funny because I've been having the opposite problem, which not that I don't want to be reading. I do, mm-hmm. but like for like the last, I don't know, maybe two weeks, I've just been like, have no time. Yeah. And like Having the time is difficult. It's just been a lot of adulting the last couple of weeks and it's just it sucks yeah. it's too hard we put yeah. sod down in our backyard last weekend and then we had like a family function on saturday which is actually oh my god it's so funny so my cousin my little cousin it was my cousin's grad um but he has a sister who's um well, she was born the year, like, the summer before I went into grade 12, so she would be, like, 12 now? 11 mm-hmm. or 12? She'll be turning 12 in August, maybe? Anyway, so she, they just built her a new bedroom in the basement, so she was, like, showing off her new room. And I go down there, and she has all of these Colleen Hoover books on her shelf, and I was like, I knew who she was, so I was like, um i was like mckenna like what are these books about like i kind of knew because obviously we've talked about it on the podcast but i wanted her to say it she's like oh yeah you know there's this one where like the fiance like the woman kills her fiance and i was just like oh my god but i mean to be fair i was that kid like i was reading books i probably should not have been reading when i was a kid so good for her she's gonna be fun she's gonna be a fun adult i don't remember if i've like spoken about but i very distinctly remember the first time that like my friend um was like i just read a book that had a sex scene in it 
<laughs> so then I was like, well. And it was like a teenage pregnancy situation. So I immediately, like as soon as she gave it back to the library, I was like in there, like snap. <laughs> I have to yeah. read this book. Um, oh God. And I did hunt it down not long ago. So that's why I wasn't sure if I had spoken about it. But like, yeah, now reading like the the cover back I was like oh dear lord that it was yeah not the best book for me to have read but I do understand I think it was young adult um so like it was catered towards my audience but I I definitely spawned out of the like children teen section of the library very quickly after that Mm. and was reading Mm. like full yeah like adult sized adult content books yeah probably way before I should have been um (laughs) Oh, well. What? Whatever. I think, I think that's what makes us interesting. Yeah. Well, in book news, though, I did. Um, I was very excitedly put in a couple book orders recently. So, the day that I was like, kind of like, oh, I need to decide what book I am gonna read for this episode. I put my order in for chapters and like could go in like pick it up later that day so eventually I got that the email saying I could go pick it up so I was like brilliant on my way and I've mentioned before how like I'm going to be switching up careers I'm going to be going back to school to become a teacher so I also bought some other books um so I've been looking through some of the um kids books that were like available and like popular so one that like spoke to me was this like picture book that's called the day the crayons quit <laughs> and it is so cute like look at this oh like, my god that's um, pretty cute that's pretty big for a kids book oh no it's hard well it's a picture book yeah. yeah um oh and it's just so cute like the different cu- crayons are telling um their owner why they they're annoyed that they either don't get used or like Oh, it's so funny. So, um, like, White, I bet, is pissed because nobody uses him. Yeah. Um, it's like, and also he on... gets all dirty. So the, the, he the crayons write individual letters to him. So like, this is like Duncan. This is the purple one. Um, and they're all writing to Duncan. Um, I just saw White. So White writes on black paper. Um, <laughs> that's so cute. And then I also. Sorry, I should have looked these out before. But there's a new kids movie out called The Bad Guys. And there's like a fox in it and stuff. Like that. I think the fox is like the main character. But it's based off of a book series. So this is like a cartoon. I think it's very kind of similar to like Captain Underpants kind of situation. Mm, mm. Anyway, I'm excited to read these at some point because I need to lean into my inner child. And if this is what the, the cool kids are reading these days, like... I forgot what you said, what grade you said you wanted to teach. Oh, well, it'll be elementary. I don't really get a choice to start with, I don't think. Um, oh. I will get to focus on, like, the primary levels and then the, like, intermediate levels. I do a practicum in each, so. Oh, okay. Um, I think after that. I think right now I'm thinking more, like, primary, so, like, K to 3, I think, is that age range. Okay. So. Nice. The little, little ones. Unless I get really stressed by them. <laughs> I was just going to say, I would be stressed, yeah. but you have a lot more patience than me, I think. So, uh, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, that was a really fun day, and 
going through and like just like looking through the kids sections and also like looking through my phone i was like oh my god there's so many cool different books that like and like the bad guys ones like there's so many of these this is the first one so um but obviously i'm not going to spend all my money like on these books i will hopefully be able to get like donations and use the school library (laughs) yeah i'm not spending all my money but it would i thought it would be a good idea to just like even just like start reading some kids books aloud to have some practice and stuff yeah and then i got the two potential books that i was going to do for this podcast or this episode um but then in the meantime i also ordered books from waterstones in the uk and i got before the coffee gets cold by and i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing this wrong toshikazu kawaguchi and it's a japanese bestseller and it essentially is um okay in a small back alley in tokyo there is a cafe which has been serving carefully brewed coffee for more than 100 years but this coffee shop offers its customers a unique experience the chance to travel back in time Hmm. so i've seen this dotting around because there is a second one out and the third one I think is coming out soon. So that's why I was like, all right, I want to get this book. And I was finding it really hard to get on chapters. It was like, I could get it until August at like the local bookstore that I usually order things. It was going to take like a month and a half. Um, and there was another place I tried in like book depository or something. And it was going to take ages as well. So I was like, oh, let's try Waterstones. And they had a bunch in stock. So but then I was like, I can't just buy one book. So then I bought Of course not. <laughs> Maybe in Another Life, one of Taylor Jenkins Reid's books. And the UK versions of her books are really pretty. So Yeah, I think she just republished a bunch yeah. because like the one that I bought on ebook, like from Apple, is like it looks similar to that, but it's not I don't think it's that one. Yeah, and it also has like it's not like a sticker about Daisy Jones mm. and the sticks. <laughs> Jay-Z <laughs> daisy jones and the six it's actually like a it's like shiny though so it's like a sticker but it's like printed Mm. onto the book yeah so yeah those are my book little things speaking of daisy jones they just wrapped yep they just wrapped (sighs) this is gonna be an excellent movie or is it a tv series it's a series i think i think it's a limited series it's gonna be a really good fall for tv i hope i i can only hope that they do justice to these books yeah but we'll have to do like i don't know we'll have to do like a bonus episode or we're gonna have to like do a discussion every well this would be a good discussion for us if we actually did like review these books ahead of the tv series we could then have an episode about the tv series because um that would be a good time for us to do normal people as well and now, fair enough, Ooh. the TV series of that has been out for um, a few years now. I think it came Bonus. out in 2020. That... Bonus episodes. That's a good idea. Yeah, we should. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I thoroughly love the TV show. Um... I still haven't watched it yet, but I did get CBC Gem, so now I can watch it. Great. <laughs> um, I okay, don't well... have CBC Gem anymore, so I need to figure out well, how to did, watch did it. Did you pay for it? Because I didn't get... Do you have to pay for it to watch Normal People? Because... I don't have the paid one. I think you can there's like a like a flat rate one and then I think maybe as new content comes out you have to pay for that stuff or mm-hmm. to get all of the content cuz we were watching the Tudors um 
and we had to pay for that and i was like okay great because normal people's coming out too so i'll just pay for it but then i canceled the subscription we also watched like all of the um great british bake-off or in canada the great british baking show um we watched like seasons and seasons of that back to back during like peak stay at home spring 2020 Hmm. and then we basically thought we were like the best bakers ever and we baked (laughs) one victoria sponge did it work oh it was a great great cake but (laughs) and it was also still at the time where like we couldn't go and like do anything so like me and joseph essentially just had to eat an entire cake um I don't think either of us minded, to be perfectly honest. But you like, should have told me. Like you could have just put it outside, and I would have come pick it up. Yeah, I think we were debating that, but we were weren't sure if like comfort levels around picking up hmm. food and things. So we were well. Just apparently, like, no. people were like wiping down their groceries. I never did that. No, so. I, I, I. Then somebody to- spoke about that not long ago, and they were like, "Oh yeah, like," but wiping down your groceries. I was like, "I didn't do that." No. We were very careful, like, wash our hands and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you wash your hands when you get back from the store and, like, yeah, we were know, like sanitize and stuff, but yeah, no, I never washed. No, we didn't do that. Um, well, I have an update. Yay. Okay, so I don't know if you remember how last time, I think it was last episode, but maybe it was the episode before, how I was talking about, no, it had to have been the last episode because I started it on vacation. Remember how I was talking about the wedding date? Oh, yeah. And how I was, like, not impressed with it? Yep. <sighs> okay, well, I finished it. I don't think and I think I And fi- I think I figured out, like, what... Okay, so, like, last time I was saying how I was really annoyed because both the characters... They, it, like, flipped back, like, between both the characters' perspectives, like, the, um, the guy and the girl. And... They both were like, what What does it mean when she sleeps over every single weekend? Does it mean she likes me? Like, what does it mean when he, like, sends me flowers? Like, like, come on. Obviously, you both like each other. And, like, you're just being dumb. Mm-hmm. And then you said that that's how you and Joseph were at the beginning. Oh, so yeah. You were, so you were like, this is legit. Okay. Well, here's why I, I'm here to tell you that that this is why this is stupid in this book. I totally believe you that mm-hmm. that that's how you and Joseph were. And I feel like that's a legit, like, thing that people experience when they're in relationship. But the difference is you were young. You, well, how old were you? Like 20, maybe? Uh, 22. Joseph is 21. Okay. So you're young. These people yeah. are like 30s, in their 30s already. Yeah. So there's that. And the second thing is that, like, they didn't, it didn't give any backstory. Like, I could understand if there was trauma or something from other relationships and that made you unsure of yourself and, like, always, like, be like, does he like me? You know, the insecurities, that's a thing. And, but they didn't go into that at all. The, the author doesn't go into that at all. I was waiting for that to happen. I was waiting for one of them to have that, like, speech that's like, oh, you know, th- like, I was hurt by such and such a person before, and I am insecure now about my feelings, and I'm always afraid to, like, be truthful and have the open communication. Mm-hmm. 
I would have been fine with that if they did that. She didn't do that. Mm. So that's. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> but like, I just felt like so. This is like a, just a bit of a mini review because I don't think I'm ever gonna do it. I don't know what what like theme I would do it for. But like, the writing was basic at best. Like, there was absolutely no connection to the characters. They had like almost zero character development. Mm-hmm. and so that's one thing but like yeah. then if you're gonna have zero character development and have basic writing at best have good sex scenes which there was not good sex scenes and this yeah. romance novel you're expecting the sex scenes yeah it, it was just it really I, I just don't get it because so this was her first novel i think and like one of her other novels is in reese's book club and I just don't get it. What do people see? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like you can chalk it up to it being the first, the her first novel. Oh yeah, and the, the proposal the- is the Reese's book club one. Yeah. Um. And it's supposed to be like the second one in this series, but I didn't actually look it up to see like if it's with the same characters because spoiler alert, there's a proposal at the end of this book. <laughs> okay, so. The second uh, question on here, like on Goodreads, is does it get any better? I'm about to give up on it. Very predictable. No depth. Same scenes over and over. Awesome. I'm not the only one. That's great. Yeah, I literally gave this book, I think, two stars. And yeah, it's got a 3.6 I- rating, so it's not the best. And I never, like, and I finished it. To be fair, I finished it because I wanted to see, like, if it could redeem itself at the end. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. And, uh, yeah. I Like, that's probably one of the only books I've ever given, like, two stars on Goodreads. So there's six of the wedding date ones. Oh. Um, a proposal is the second one. It has a lower rating than the first one. <laughs> Does, well, and Reese picked it? Yeah. Reese, girl. What's going on? Huh, anyway, so there's that one. Also, I finished the Office BFFs. I so saw cute. It. So cute. Like, if you listen to their pot, like, if you listen to Office Ladies, like, there's not a lot of different stories from that. But I really liked how they talked about, like, their friendship. Mm-hmm. And that one chapter that I sent, I, I sent you a clip from that chapter where they're like talking about how them being pregnant at different times. Mm-hmm. And Angela talks about like she was she got got pregnant first. And so she was having a baby and Jenna was still like, I don't even think she was engaged yet. And mm-hmm. she was still living, as Angela says, the sexy life. <laughs> so they they talk about having like kind of a rift in their friendship because they were in such different part, like different times in their lives. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's so nice to hear. First of all, that they not only got through it, but that like it happened Uh because like, I don't know. I've had like, I have friends now. I have one good friend who has kids. I don't know if she listens to this. Hi, Erin, but it's hard. It's hard to like, like be, I don't know how to support her for one thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to be a good friend to her, like, as a mother. 
and I don't know, like, it's hard for me that she, like, can't give me, not that she ever gave me, like, her undivided attention, but, like, when I text her, sometimes it takes her three days to respond. Yeah. And as it's a person- just a different way yeah. of living now. Yeah. And it sucks that I don't fully, can't, I can't fully understand what she's been through until I have my own kids. But anyway, I just like that they like go through that and they talk about how they get through it in the end. Um, but loved it. Highly recommend it. Um, it's cute. It's fun. It's really a really good book about friendship. And it just reminds me of us oh, so much because at the end they talk about like wanting to like how basically how they got into doing the podcast and like working all the time and not being able to see their kids they wanted to give themselves a job that like they could do while also spending a lot of time with family mm-hmm. and being their own bosses and all that kind of stuff and i was like yes that's why we're doing this <laughs> and, yeah but also i i got a little pissed at the end because it's just it's hard to see, like, to compare our podcast to their podcast because they're already famous. Yeah. So, like, their marketing is obviously, like, it's done for Way them, basically. Different. Yeah. And also, well, they're, like, they their podcast is through, like, they do they went through, like, a company, which yeah. is a choice. Like, you can choose to produce a podcast on your own. Um. Anyway, so they said, what did, what was the number? They were like, the the people at like Earwolf or whatever were like, okay, so a successful podcast has about 50,000 downloads a month. And I was just like, well, I was really excited when we passed 400 downloads. <laughs> and they were like, and then we got over a million downloads in a month. And I was just like, uh but you but, know we're not actors who starred in the office yeah so yeah you know maybe we'll hit it big and if that's the case thank you to all these people who are listening right now while we're putting this out and to the people yeah. who maybe come back in the future like we're, we're still yeah back in the future uh <laughs> We're, like, putting in so much effort and having fun. And that's, I mean, that's good enough for me. Once the fun comes out of this, then I'll consider stopping. Um, Well, you're still having fun, though, right? Yeah. That's why I'm continuing. (laughs) Okay, good. That's going to be a And not everything can be always fun all the time. I understand that, too. But I'm enjoying this. We're along for the Well, it's work. It's definitely work. It is work to read a book every two weeks. Especially when you're yeah. working, like... Not gonna lie, that's hard. Um, when you're working, like, a full-time job, it's fucking... And then sometimes the book that you're reading is really, like, deep and dark. Oh, so yeah. then you're like, <laughs> okay, well, I want something light and fluffy. And then you get hooked on a new book. Yeah, that's basically what happened to me with Office Ladies. And also, it's just because, like, I, like, could not put anything else into my brain that was not like something soothing yeah (laughs) so for like the last two weeks it was just like i would just read a bit of their stories and i'd be like ah it'd just be like a bomb 
but yeah nope we're having a great time we love you guys thanks for listening <laughs> i'm not trying to complain i uh this is gonna be a really complaining episode i feel like <laughs> okay well should we jump jump right in yeah do 24 wanna... minutes that's pretty good yep do you want to um describe what the theme of this week is i would love to i don't know if we really came up with like a name for the theme but this week's theme is father's day so happy father it's a bit late again same thing as the mother's day episode but happy father's day to all the fathers out there and so we picked a couple books well i don't know did your dad actually pick yours did he yeah he did yep okay well my dad does not read the most i've ever seen my dad read is the newspaper so you could have a real cheat on that and just read the newspaper first. I could have. But I guess it's like, I don't know. How do we des- how do we describe these books? <laughs> Generally, male-read books. Yeah. They're stereotypically male books. And so- they're the kind of books your dad would read on vacation. when, And he would be like, leave me alone. I'm reading so I have to say, mine, I don't know if it fully encapsulates into that. Um, I originally was like, Dad, can you recommend some books for me? Like, I don't know, Clive Cussler, James Patterson, what are you going to pick? And he was like, oh, no, I'm not going to recommend those. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure his exact words were like something along the lines of, sorry, I just got in my own head because I was like, if it's exact words, he's not saying something along the lines of something. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's way better stuff than Clive Cussler out there. <laughs> so yeah. um, why would I recommend that to you? And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so the first book he recommended to me was Train Spotting by Irvin Welsh. So I started reading it and I'm so excited for when the day comes that I do finish this book because <laughs> um, that day is not today. <laughs> And it won't be tomorrow either, because it's a long book, and it's written in, like, a Scots dialect, and it's... You should read us an excerpt, just to give Ooh. it give us a treat. Well, I'll read from your... the very first uh, chapter. And, like, just give general context. If you haven't, like, um... If you don't know what Trainspotting is about, it's about, like, the um, heroin drug scene within scotland in i think it's the nine, the early 90s late 80s early 90s um, i might be wrong in that but um okay so the first chapter the sweat was lashing off a sick boy he was trembling i was just sitting there focusing on the telly trying not to notice the cunt he was bringing <laughs> me down i tried to keep my attention on the jean-claude van damme video as it happens in such movies, they start off with obligatory dramatic opening. Then the next phase of the picture involved building up the tension through introducing the dastardly villain and sticking the weak plot together. Any minute knew so, all Jean-Claude was ready to get down to some serious swedging. Rents. Oh, I've got to go see Mother Superior. Sick boy gasps, sh- shaking his head. Oh, I... <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to stop there. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love hearing your accent. It's great. So, but this has one of like, okay, so I've seen the movie and 
I don't know if I'll ever do this book on the podcast. So I'm just going to talk about it now because it's such a great little story my dad told about um, the book. So him and my mom were going to Turkey on holiday together. And my mom had bought the book um, to read. And this would have been... Actually, when did this book come out? Um, I think it was around the time that the film was coming out. Yeah, so this was published in uh, 93. And... Mm -hmm. The film came out in 97, I want to say. Um, and when the film was coming out, I think they'd obviously had like a revival of the book and stuff for it to be published. Um, so my mum bought it to go on holiday, but my parents got stuck. And this is my understanding of the story. I'm sorry, mum and dad, if I get this wrong. But my understanding is that their flight was delayed. So my dad didn't have anything to read. So he started reading my mom's book. So, um, and he was hooked on it. Um, so then immediately after um, my dad finished reading it, so my mom started reading it, but my dad was like, yeah. Um, so we both read it like back to back while we were on holiday. And they still have their copy of Trainspotting apparently in the house. And the glue that kept the books binding together um melted a little bit in the heat in turkey so the book has like loose pages mm. <laughs> in it because it kept falling mm -hmm. apart mm -hmm. um it also has one of the single most like best um i don't know um monologues i think in like film like it's in the book but it's um in film history it's really good um also it was one of ewan mcgregor's first um roles and it's in his like actual scottish accent um it's a really good film and I've then never seen it yeah so um, it, our friend jordan also hasn't seen it so um we're actually gonna watch it i think online at some point um together maybe i should admit we're watching movies online um we will somehow procure this movie and watch it together <laughs> um that sounds even worse. <laughs> <laughs> but we tried to find it on Friday because he was like, oh, we should watch it. And he's such a like, film buff and works in the film industry. I was like, oh, I'm surprised you've never watched it. And he did know, he knows of a scene that's in the movie and he asked us if that was in it. It was like, yeah, that that's um, that movie. Um, and there are parts of it where it's really disgusting and like really like gritty because of like the content that it's dealing with. Um did you ever watch Grey's Anatomy? Mm -hmm. The guy that plays Owen. Mm. Um, so he's from My Neck of the Woods. He was also in Trainspotting. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Um, what else? I was going to talk about that book for a little second. But yeah. And they also came out, there's a, like, there, I think there's two sequels to it. Um or maybe one so, came. Oh, but there's one before Train Spotting came, and then one after, and then they've they've made a second movie. It's like called T Two Train Spotting, mm. um, and it came out a few years ago. Um, so I've also seen that too, um, and it's pretty good. It's like the follow up story, um, but I can understand some people might find that book challenging to read. Um, and at times I like almost have to like read it aloud in my head to understand exactly. They're saying because sometimes there's words that I would have just said, but I've never seen them like written down properly. So, mm. um, 
it can kind of throw you off. But anyway, on the same trend, that train spotting is predominantly set in Edinburgh. So my dad also recommended to me to read any of Ian Rankin's books. So I thought, well, if I'm going to read one, I'm going to start at the beginning. So <laughs> Rebus is his like um, detective inspector, or maybe it's just detective, John Rebus. Is like okay, I was going to say, his... was that his first name? Because no, Because that's second a terrible name. name. <laughs> um, there's a whole series of his books. And so Knots and Crosses is the book that I read. And it's um, Ian Rankin's second book that he'd written. Um, but it's the first in the um, Inspector Rebus books. And he wrote it basically like straight out of university his other book had just been published and he got like the idea for this book almost as like a a reimagining of um Jekyll and Hyde which was um oh was that Robert Louis Stevenson that wrote Jekyll and Hyde yeah Robert Louis Stevenson wrote Jekyll and Hyde who's also a Scottish novelist so um he wanted to like do a creative reimagining of that and this like introduced rebus but it is written pretty much as like a standalone book so you could read this and not pick up another rebus book or Mm. and i think most of them you can kind of just pick up like not everybody Mm. reads them in order and i don't think you really have to but like you pick up on like his character things and at the beginning um because this book originally was published in Let's just look at the Wikipedia page because that'll tell me quicker than me flicking through here. Um, this was published in 1987. Whew! So quite a while ago, and I have noticed there's certain things that he says. I'm like, dear lord. Um, oh, I can only imagine. But like, like they didn't even have DNA. No. Or it and wasn't. Like, at least it wasn't a widely used yeah. practice. And when um the introduction that's to this book was written by um ian rankin in 2005 and it's he basically is like i had no knowledge of police procedure i (laughs) well at least he admits it yeah um he had no interest in reading detective fiction oh yeah at the time i had no interest in reading detective fiction (laughs) <laughs> oh my god what and no knowledge what? of police procedure i also had no notion that knots would be the first book of a series so this led him blithely to give rebus a complex personal history and a name um which was of many in jokes in the book a rebus <laughs> being a pictorial puzzle um a pictorial puzzle so he said, in fact, rereading the book now, I find myself blushing at the number of literary puns and references. So, <laughs> because he was straight That's out funny. of university, so like, um, and at one point he said, um, he described something and he like, I had to look up in a dictionary because he's guess he's guessing that it was a word he'd just learned in 1985. <laughs> so that was why like, um, he wrote it um, in the book. So it's, really interesting um that's cool i've never really read a book that like has a 
Well, I guess I've had some books like um cuz Anne Rule um her book like her t- her book about Ted Bundy, she has like several addendums like as mm-hmm. like the the case continued on and on and on, like she had like a few additions to it. Yeah. But like that's so like interesting to have an author come back to like a fiction novel and be like what the fuck was i on about (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny i I respect this guy i like yeah no and i do too and there is like a lot of things um with the book and like the chapters aren't like super lengthy the pace is pretty interesting the first like part of it i was like all right come on like get the pace going a little bit here um but towards the end it kind of like like it hits a certain point and you the claws are hooked in Mm. you're listening or reading along like it's great um and okay i'll read the back of it now too um so the version that i have which is cute it has like revis novel one on the back (laughs) um so Ian Rankin, Knots and Crosses by Orion. And on the front, it says the iconic number one bestseller. So it definitely sets you up um, yeah. for a big book. Um, the modern classic which introduced the world to Detective John Rebus. In Edinburgh, young girls are being abducted and murdered. Rebus, already struggling to cope with the breakup of his own family is just one of the policemen hunting the killer. But when Rebus receives messages, knotted string and crossed matches, it is clear the killer is taunting him with a message only he can solve. Dun dun dun! <laughs> I just got through the whole description. Woo! Pew pew pew! Pew pew pew! <laughs> so even like the descriptions on the back too that like are like the praise, it's like Rankin is without. Oh, see, there we go. <laughs> um, Rankin is without doubt Britain's best crime novelist, a master in his field. Rebus is a masterful creation. So, yeah. And to start off with, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I'm not sure I entirely like this. And it's definitely not a book I would have just picked up, um, other than the fact that. Like, I've always seen Ian Rankin books, particularly growing up in Scotland. Like, this book came out before I was born. Like, I've seen these around my whole life mm-hmm. with his name on them. And I've never had any interest in ever reading them. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm like, oh, okay, I maybe give it another, like, give the next few ones a go. Or, like, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I did really enjoy this. And I don't want to give too much away because... Obviously, it is, like, detective crime novel. But I did find out that it's part of a select group of books. See how, like, you get, like, your, um, like, Regency-era romances and different things like that. Okay. I was going through Ian Rankin's Wikipedia page. So Mm -hmm. he also just um, got... A knighthood, so he's now Sir Ian oh. Ranking, as of like a couple weeks ago, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, because he was um, knighted in twenty twenty two, 
for her birthday honors list, which I'm pretty sure is done around about this time of year. So, mm. um, let's see where I saw this. Oh, okay. So, Rankin's <laughs> Rankin's Inspector Rebus novels are mainly set in Edinburgh. They are considered major contributions to the tartan noir genre. <laughs> Never in my life have I heard of this before. And I was oh like, my God. what the we fuck? Have, we so, have to do a theme where it's Tartan Noir. I, I, so, yes. I then looked into it. So Tartan Noir is a form of crime fiction particular to Scotland and Scottish writers. It has its roots in Scottish literature, but borrows elements from elsewhere, including from the work of American crime writers of the second half of the 20th century, especially the hard-boiled genre and of European authors, which this is going to send me down a whole other thing, because, like, what the fuck is hard-boiled? I have no um, idea. I have that's, no like, idea. That's an egg. Like, that's... <laughs> I can't even imagine, like... Yeah. I guess it's, like, maybe all I can think of is is it's those, like, cops that are all grizzled, and they're all like, yeah, well, my wife was murdered, and I'm still searching for the killer, and all of these murders yeah. remind me of that, and I am searching for revenge. I'm looking for revenge all the time, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, just I'm seeing about the roots and influences. The United States crime writer James Elroy, who I've heard of before, um, I've coined- never heard of him. Oh, let me just check that I've heard of him. Does it sound unfamiliar? Who are you, James Elroy? Um. Oh, he. Um, he wrote like the Black Dahlia, the Big Nowhere, LA Confidential. Oh, um, okay, but I didn't so crime ri- crime fiction writer, but from the states, coined the term when he described Ian Rankin as the king of tartan noir for a book cover. So, um, that's my life goal is to like create a book genre by just like, like saying it randomly and then like all of a sudden yeah. everybody's saying it all the time <laughs> it's a title that's now used for describing scottish crime authors but i it's so funny but the ian rankin was the first person that was described as that so he's now thought not thought of as the like first person that like wrote those but like um this guy's the king of them so it's um, so niche i know <laughs> so like, niche it's and it's so niche so another like part obviously like I'm very proud that I am from Scotland and um so I was really excited to read these like two books that are like so like I don't know like entrenched within like Scottish literature that you could almost count as like historical Scottish literature now and mm. it's not like you're um because what Robert Louis Stevenson wrote like a bunch of shit um did she write Peter Pan too? Oh, Treasure Island. Um, no, close. Same thing. Who wrote Peter Pan? Isn't Sorry, I'm now going to look that up. Isn't that a, like something Barry? Oh, J.M. Barry. Yeah. Um, who is he Scottish too? I'm going to look him up because like I don't know. We got lots of time. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was I... also Scottish. So <laughs> I knew I wasn't wrong. Like. <laughs> So there's some great people out there um, that wrote like more within like the classical, like fairy tale kind of, well not I don't think Treasure Island is like fairy tale by any means, but like, you know what I mean, like more classic-y kind of stuff. So to have these people who are like writing, especially like Irvin Welsh writing in like 
Scots and stuff. It's kind of cool. And the audiobook I've been listening to for Knots and Crosses is they got a Scottish actor to do it. Hmm. And some of like the voices that he's putting on. Oh my god, can I find it? I think I wrote a note of what chapter it was in because I was like, it was fucking hilarious. Um I think that's all that the note says. Chapter nine. There we go. There's nothing else <laughs> written on the note. It just says chapter nine. Chapter nine. Um Okay. Um oh <laughs> so I'll just read this nice little chapter. So they're doing some door-to-door questioning. At his first house, Rebus battered on the door and waited. It was opened by a rank old woman, her feet bare, a cardigan comprised of 90% whole to 10% wool <laughs> hanging around his her scarp-like shoulders. Mm-hmm. What is it? Or vi- <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> what is it? Please, madam, <laughs> it's about the murder. Eh? Whatever <laughs> it is, I didn't want it. Why you go for a car, the, car, a car for the coppers? Which is funny because he's a policeman. So, um, but I was about pissing myself last night. Um, well, it wasn't last night. Well, whenever it was, and I was listening to this in bed, and I was like. Oh my god! Because the the guy who does the voice acting, and we've spoken about how certain people who are reading audiobooks should not do accents. This guy's brilliant at them, and he has a range of different Scottish voices that he has for like. You can even tell between Rebus and then his like sidekick guy. Like he's got voices for each of them. It's great. This little like haggard old lady was like the best voice I've ever like it was so funny um that I like played it back to Joseph because I was like almost (laughs) pissing myself in bed because I was like this is so funny um yeah so hands down to um the guy that read the audiobooks I did have his name this is the thing I think I'm gonna remember who said what uh James McPherson so there has been a bunch of different people who have read the audiobooks for Ian Rankin's books. Um, so the most, um, the one that I thought you might recognize would be Bill Patterson. He was in Outlander. Um, he was like the tax collector guy within the first season, I think. A long time ago. Anyway, he um, reads Knots and Crosses in a different version that you can listen to online. Um, so this guy um james mcpherson he's like the predominant person who reads the rebus books Mm. which is cool Mm. um yeah but because he did write this as like a standalone book he there's certain things that is like changed now that he like wrote like that ian rankin pointed out like he says at the in this book that he's like a lover of jazz. Um, of that apparently is. changes, like um, so it's like soft rock later on, like um, yeah. So it's kind of funny how like over time this person like changes, which like people naturally change over time too. But like um, yeah. But I do have to say, reading this in 
2022 compared to when it was published. (laughs) There's some things like when they describe like a woman police officer Mm. at one point. Here we go. Let's get into it. They she's described um as like oh is she one of those ball ball busters yeah. and I'm like oh for the love of God and like fair enough it's set in the eighties so like actually having a woman in the police force would have been like more rare than it is like nowadays but yeah um. <laughs> And just like any like description of women, it's kind of like not super degrading, but there is a point where he's like, "There's a sex scene," and who oh boy, it's rough. Like I was reading it um, while I was out and about the other day, and I was like, "This is like how like sex scenes are written." For like within like romance and stuff sometimes they're not like super appealing particularly um if you're getting ones of like abusive situations and stuff but john rebus clearly has shit going on in his life so like he's writing and he's like trying to focus on something else completely different and like trying to make like the woman he describes her as being like bigger so he's like trying to like not focus on that um which is like horrible on many different levels but he's clearly just like lonely I suppose in that moment and is just looking for like some other human connection um and this is the only way he feels he can get it like mm-hmm. um and the other lady she's lonely too so like that's kind of why they <sighs> yeah and he's got some trauma to do with um he was like in the military and he was recruited to be in like the special forces and went through training and that there's like several flashbacks and stuff of him um and he like speaks about having a mental breakdown like previously um but yeah so there is well, like that's so many pretty different things yeah um for like 1987 yeah but at the same time, um, I think you do have to realize that it is written in that time. Like, um, yeah, I mean, you have to place it in the like. It's not. It's it's not condoning it. No, but you, like you have to like place it in its time. Like yeah. that's. And I am also goes. slightly hesitant too of sometimes like reading um, crime things that have to do with the police force because uh, there's so many like tv procedurals out there there is a tv show called rebus um that was like i presume released throughout most of the uk and not just in scotland um and actually the there's two actors that have played him the second guy that played him um also played balin in the hobbit film trilogy um so one of the guys mm. with the beards like um mm. <laughs> yeah um so actually if we watch one day he's also dexter's dad in one day um so he played rebus for a long time and then there's another actor that played him before um but 
Where's I going with this? Thought, yeah, so I am slightly hesitant to be like super glorifying the police force because police forces can do a lot of harm and I think we're kind of only really discovering how much harm they can actually have within society. Mm. But um, as long as we do tread carefully with that, I think they, it's fine. And sometimes the, these genre of books are just what people are interested in reading. And yeah. I don't think that we should take that away from people either. But just well, I be think that careful it, with it. It's kind of the same... It's interesting. Like, like it's I'll the get same with like what... crime podcasts and stuff. Like, oh, the glorification of um, like any sort of crime genre. I think yeah. you just have to tread carefully. Um, yeah. Well, I think honestly, like, as, like to your point of like, it's just what people are into. It's when like I know I'll talk about this a bit when I go into my book, but like, it's almost kind of the same as romances in that it. You, you kind of always know what you're going to get for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I think like usually at the end, like the good triumphs over evil. Usually. I mean, like yeah. you said, glorifying the police is problematic sometimes, but I think that's ultimately what they're about is good triumphing over, over evil. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, sometimes that's like people's com- like comforts zones like that's yeah like what you I think like just to read because you know what you're gonna get saying that cops are like the good overcoming the evil is sometimes a problematic thing though particularly when it comes to um like the fact that there was recent statistics in toronto where like if you're black in toronto you there's like a 200 or something percent chance that you're gonna be um stopped at a police like stopped by the police just because cool. yeah cool 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 <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah um yeah but this this uh particularly like he he's i'm not saying that detectives don't do this shit but like he's a detective and he's very cynical of the world and yeah, well, I mean, okay, so you can say There's... that the character is good, not necessarily, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but this book definitely, like, throws into question, like, um, is he a good person? Like, um, it's also the first time he's been introduced to, like, to any, like, mm. the public, so, um, yeah, very complex character, and... I can see why, yeah, it could be, like, entirely standalone, too. Um, But I don't know. I just also really liked it. Like, there's some things that they, like, refer to, and I'm like, oh, like, I'm, like, vaguely aware of that through, like, Scottish culture and stuff like that. And also, like, the description of, like, that particular time period in Scotland. Like, obviously, I didn't grow up in the 80s and stuff, like, but my, my parents did, and just like knowing like oh yeah there is a drug scene in scotland and like i don't know it was just kind of interesting to like learn a little bit about that time through like a fictional lens um mm. it's kind of neat mm-hmm. um mm. so i i i do think that i might read more of these um but yeah i really did enjoy the book 
and I'm excited um, to dig into Train Spotting now, just to kind of like see. And it's funny that I picked up like of both the recommendations my dad gave me. They're both set in Edinburgh. Um, like I didn't <laughs> grow up in Edinburgh. Edinburgh is like a four-hour car journey away. So like, um, but I do like know around the the area a little bit. And like in the back of the book with the reading notes, there is a map. Um, mm, nice, a nice little hand-drawn map. But um. But I like know enough of like Edinburgh to like have like placed roughly where things were and things. Um, but I don't think that like, you need to have any knowledge. Um, mm. But even just like set the scene to like know like the really old buildings and stuff. And um, I don't know. Sorry, getting kind of distracted there uh, <laughs> or off topic. But yeah. Um, yeah, so the character development of Rebus is really cool, and um, I did look into the book a little bit, and there are characters within this book that like appear in some of the other ones too, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of neat. Um, and you do hear of like points of view from not just Rebus himself; there are like other characters, so it's not just solely from his perspective either, which I kind of like. Um, but the very first chapter, and it's interesting, there's like, um, it says prologue and then there's like a few chapters and then it says, um, part one and then it starts off again, one, two, like, it's kind of an interesting way of, um, numbering a book. Anyway, the first chapter is not very long in the prologue. Um, and it's from the point of view of the murderer. Mm-hmm. Classic. So, yeah. The girl screamed once, only the once. Even that, however, was a minor slip on his part. That might have been the end of everything, almost before it had begun. Neighbours inquisitive, the police calling in to investigate. No, that would not do at all. Next time he would tie the gag a little tighter. Just a little tighter. Just that little bit more secure. Afterwards, he went to the drawer and took it from and took from it a ball of string. He used a pair of sharp nail scissors, the kind girls always seems to always seem to use, to snip off a length of about six inches. Then he put the ball of string and the scissors back into the drawer. A car revved up outside, and he went to the window, upsetting a pile of books on the floor as he did so. The car, however, had vanished, and he smiled to himself. He tied a knot in the string, not any special kind of knot, just a knot. There was an envelope lying ready on the sideboard. So it's kind of like... Yeah. And... Like he, like Ian Rankin mentions in like the little foreword he gives, like the next one, it's like chapter two. It was the 28th of April, wet, naturally, the grass percolating water as John Rebus walked to the grave of his father, dead five years to the day. The idea, oh like, boy, um, like the only time I hear of something percolating is like in regards to coffee, coffee. So, yeah. like, you're saying the grass is percolating water. It's just kind of a funny descriptor, and you can see that he's like straight out of like his degree and using like very yeah. interesting linguistical 
ways of describing stuff um so it's uh, i'm interested to see how potentially that continues because it's almost like very poetic the book and some of the phrases um which is interesting for a crime book but like he went into it not thinking that was what he was going to write so um yeah honestly i thought you were gonna hate this theme <laughs> no and it's I was turned like, out really, like thinking you were like not into this at all <laughs> no and maybe it's just the books that i picked too um because my dad just did straight off the bat say like he was like oh you should read train spawn because he asked if i'd read it and i was like no and he was shocked that i hadn't read it um but he was also shocked when i hadn't seen the movie either so he like immediately sat me down to watch the movie um yeah um so when i said no i hadn't read it he was like oh brilliant you have to read it and then he was like or like any ian rankin but you like should probably start it with the first one knots and crosses and that would be good which is funny i've also read a book called knots and crosses but it's a young adult novel um Hmm. but it's not spelt not like k-n-o-t-s it's spelt knots as in like n-o-u oh n-o-u-g-h-t oh okay so you would spell not like see if you write a zero that's a not yeah that can also be written out like that um and knots and cross is the same as like tic-tac-toe um so they're they're both using the pun and that's why there's like the little pieces of string and crossed matches it's like a, a, a weird thing that they're getting from the um from the killer um but it's mm. like a like he's playing a game with them mm-hmm. um yeah anyway yeah i did really like these books and like they've gotten like i i'm i did start um train spotting it was just i realized quickly it was way more dense than i thought it was going to be and the fact that it's like speaking about the drug scene from the perspective of somebody who is like taking drugs and trying mm. to get themselves like off them it's it was really difficult to listen to so i started then just being like okay well i'll just like as like a pick me up i'll read like like one of the bridgerton books i'll have that like listening to it but then i was like not going back to like read any of the books so i was like Mm -hmm. i need to stop that and then i was running out of time so i was like i need to just switch gears here and i think when we only spoke like the other day it was i still hadn't started it um so I've like had to like. <laughs> well, burn that means it. you can get through it quickly. That's good. Yeah. Okay, so knots and crosses. Here we go on Goodreads. So it's got a three point eight two, which is not bad. Um, it's pretty good actually. Yeah. Um, and like people have asked, like, should I read them in order and some people are saying yes but like you don't have to as far as i'm aware um Mm. so and i was looking through some of the reviews earlier and some people are like it's not the best but some people are like well it's slim but it packs a punch um it definitely has like gotten better with time and so i don't know but i really enjoyed it so I don't know if I'm making any sense here. I've kind of lost my train of thought. 
Uh, where, where would you rate it? Um, see, it's so different from like anything I usually would read. Like on its own, mm. I'd probably say like a four. But with like mm. the usual books I'd read, I'd probably say like a three point five because it's still generally something that I would would never just like go and pick up because yeah, it, it depends on your mental state. Like sometimes I'm completely fine reading a book that's a bit heavier and darker. Um, but at the same time, like I don't think I should shy away from those books either. Um, yeah. Yeah, so maybe we'll just go with a four because I really did enjoy it. Um, and it's a different area that I've never really read into before. Um, and I have, like, like we both did a true crime book not long ago and I've tried to read some true crime ones and they just... And it's weird because I'm so into true crime with, like, podcasts and I've watched some documentaries and stuff too. But when it comes to reading it, I don't know if there's something that, like, my imagination can literally go in any direction um mm. yeah whereas with this it's a bit more concentrated um with the reading maybe it has to do with like if you're more audio or um like more of an auditory um recepting person or more like a written i don't know mm-hmm. i'm just kind of blabbing here i have no idea <laughs> Did you find it to be a good adventure? Like, do did you like guess it, or like was it like? Did you? Um, I don't know if it's really one of the things that you could guess, but like, I feel like lots of detective books, it's like they leave clues throughout the book. I think so. I think it was definitely trying to lead you in a certain direction. Yeah, and I think I knew that before going into the book, so I was like, "Cool, I'm not leaning into that." Um, but it also helps that I know that there's a lot of books in the series, so I knew it could like possibly go in that direction, um, mm. which is kind of interesting. And if you look, I actually looked it up earlier. Sorry, I'll go back to this. Um, Ian Rankin has written 24. Well, actually, this one hasn't been released yet. So currently out as of now, there are 23 Rebus novels. Which is... That's a lot. A lot. And, like, when you open the front cover of the book when it shows you, like, all by Ian Rankin, like, Mm. that's the whole page is, like, all books. And, like, most of them, like, from here to here, that's all Rebus ones. Right. Um, And that doesn't do them all, I don't think. Um. Oh yeah, this goes up as far as 2018. So there's been one in 2020 and then there's one coming out this year which will be the 24th one. Um, Whew, and then there's like other odd. novels. There's like um, editions of like Rebus the Early Years where you can buy like, it's like a three-in-one situation. Mm. Um, so that's where some of the ones here. So most of his books have been Rebus books, which... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, um, I think I saw a quote that I was, um, oh yeah, so like this is where he kind of like, um, like he kind of like, um, infuses like his knowledge of like the SAS and where he was like doing training. Um, so strangulation, 
it was a fearful way to go. Wrestling, kicking your way towards oblivion, panic, the fretful sucking for air, and the killer behind you most likely, so that you face the fear of something totally anonymous, a death without knowledge of who or why. Rebus had been taught methods of killing in the SAS. He knew what it felt like to have the garrote tighten on your neck, trusting to the opponent's prevailed sanity. A fearful way to go. Um, hmm. It's like you like can that. almost... Hmm? I don't like that. <laughs> no. So you can almost see like almost like the poeticness of like his writing. Um, yeah. So I am interested to see like if that continues. Um, hmm. uh, and also like um, the nature of police work. He's like no sooner had he finished with a case than another two or three appeared in his place. And there's so many like careers past that that's like very similar. And then we wonder why people are burned out and why yeah. like stressful things happen or people crack and then do shitty things. It's because you're yeah. putting so much pressure on people. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and i i when i heard this bit in the book i was like this is kind of funny like he had to get off the booze he had to get off the ciggies they were killing him yet they were the only things keeping him alive and i don't think this was from a perspective of rebus i think this was from the perspective of a journalist but um it's one of those things that like those are things that obviously people like get addicted to and you don't really realize that they are such a strong addiction well i think maybe nowadays yeah. we know how much the, the addicted power that they have but like less so in the 80s and he is such a strong smoker in this book it's unbelievable at one point he's like he didn't even remember picking up his 13th cigarette um Ugh. what happened to his 12th and it's like no. the fact they're all smoking all the time and i like distinctly remember when the smoking ban was brought into place in like Scotland for like pubs and restaurants, you could be mm-hmm. sat in a non-smoking area, but obviously like the smoke was everywhere. Um, and I very much remember when it was switched over because I have like a weird like allergic reaction to nicotine. Um, so my mm-hmm. eyes start watering, my nose starts running, and I get all like stuffed up. It's kind of like when I'm around butters; it's like the same <laughs> reaction. Yeah. Um, butters is Nikki's cat. Um, by the way. <laughs> So he's made a few appearances, I feel like. Yeah. I know I yelled at him at one, on one episode at least. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so like even just like the way he's describing like a smoke-filled room, I'm like, "Oh, this is like hilarious because I remember like when that band was brought into place." Um yeah, I was alive cuz like my uncle used to smoke and one, one at one point we went out to a restaurant with him and like the waitress like asked oh like smoking or non-smoking mm-hmm. and my dad was like oh do you want to sit in smoking and my uncle was like no that's okay yeah and that was like i don't know i must have been like four that was like a really early memory so yeah so i just quickly looked long. it up it was march 2006 that it was brought up in scotland and it was even later in like england and wales um wow yeah but yeah, they smoke a lot in this. Like, it's ridiculous. But like, the fact that like, if you're addicted to it, like, that is like the only thing that's keeping you alive is just like 
waiting for that next puff, waiting for that next drink. And oh my god, they drink so much too. Like after every shift, he's gone to the pub. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was a UK thing. Well, kind of, but like, um, <laughs> just I yeah. There, there's some great points to this book that I really did love. I definitely there were sections where I'm like, well, I'm taking that with a pinch of salt. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the fact that like some of the things like he said he didn't know like a whole lot to do with police procedure because but some of it like there is no real part that stood out as it being like well that seems wildly inaccurate um Mm. nothing like that at all so i feel for maybe not knowing much like he did all right for his first um foray into crime writing even though that's not what he thought he was doing um yeah but yeah, to then like accidentally become like one of the most like prolific like British crime writers, crime writers um, like fictional crime yeah. writers, it, it's pretty impressive. Um, yes. It's also hilarious that um, on his Wikipedia page too. Sorry, this is all like I was before we came on. That's all I was doing was reading his Wikipedia page because I was like, I don't know anything about him. Um, here we go. Um, his parents were horrified when he then chose to study literature at university as they had expected him to study for a trade. Um, <laughs> I think it's really funny. And at the time, like, I don't know, they like probably was more expected to go into a trade um, than to go to university. So to pick yeah. that is like a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't, you've like, that's not a manly thing to study in school probably. Yeah. But for it being the dad's pick, um, or, yeah, kind of like a more of a dad book, I definitely would recommend this to my dad if he hadn't recommended it to me. <laughs> um, I could definitely see it being up, like, his kind of street. Um, he does, like, action and, like, kind of thrillery ones, um, which is funny because I read one a couple years ago. I don't even remember the name of the book, but... Um, I gave it to my dad but it did have a really weird twist in it and then when my dad was like oh that book was a bit weird <laughs> so I was like oh okay um but I'm definitely not sending him like I sent my mom Malibu Rising the other week because I had an extra copy mm. definitely not sending my dad that um yeah though you never know like always about opening your horizons to different things so maybe he would enjoy mm. it um <laughs> but definitely this is more his cup of tea and but I am glad it was a really kind of special moment because usually I talk to my mum more about books than I do my dad. And it's not yeah. that I've never seen my dad read. I've seen him read a lot. But I never really thought about asking him for any book recommendations. So I don't know. It was kind of a special little moment too. And to like read something that he I knew he was genuinely interested in too. That probably helped a bit um, yeah. for reading it. But I am excited to maybe delve in i don't say i'm not gonna say i'm definitely reading the next one but yeah i wouldn't say no well, now but now if you see it you can pick it up yeah if it's on and sale, it would be <laughs> definitely like a good book to like read on holiday and a lot of t- like because there's no like i don't know i wouldn't feel like there's like the continual need of like where a series kind of maybe leaves you on a cliffhanger maybe the other mm, series yeah. do leaves you on cliffhanger this for me was kind of more tidied up um but i'm excited to delve into this more like 
I don't know, classic Scottish literature little dive that I'm going into, which is kind of exciting. Um, odd that I get to share it with my dad. It's something that I've never like shared with him before, which is very nice. But um, And then I, once I do read Trainspotting, I'll maybe just mention it on the podcast. I'll give a little mini review. Okay. Yeah. Good, because like I'm actually interested. I'd like to I'd like to watch the movie, I think, but I've heard yeah. that it's like very uh it's tough to watch. It so. is tough to watch. It's very well done. Um but it is tough to watch yeah. at times. But yeah, we'll figure out how to watch it and we can maybe watch it together. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. This is your reminder, Jordan, to like figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Yay. Okay, so as I said, my dad does not read. Actually, he started reading a bit more now because like ev- like everybody else when they're camping starts reading and he mm-hmm. was getting bored to- and having no one to play with basically. So, he's my mom bought him like some like detective novels and like so I bet he, he would like that. I was going to say rec- buy it for him. It's not like a super big book. Um he yeah. might enjoy that. And then she bought him, I think, some westerns, but he's, like, still reading the one western that he's been reading for, like, three years. Like, that's how much he doesn't like to read. Yeah. <laughs> so, I did not get this book for him. But, uh, okay, so my book for the theme of Father's Day is, what it's called White Out by Ken Follett. Follett? Follett? I don't know. He has, like, a bunch of other, like, spy novels, and, like, he's, like, pretty, like famous i think and i've seen his books like around and like a lot of people talk he has like one series that i think is like pretty popular oh so this was more like the type of book i thought my dad was going to recommend to me where like the it's very traditional what you would like say is like dad male fiction where like his name and the like the title of the book like cover most of the front um yeah that's definitely (laughs) what i was thought it was good and not that this does it like look at that that covers like yeah the whole yeah thing. but <laughs> there's like um yeah I, I like when i just googled it just now i was like oh yeah that's the type of book that i thought yeah. well it's actually not what i thought i was gonna pick i thought i would pick more like your book like a crime thriller which this one is but it has a completely different setup i'll get into it is it also um, set in scotland yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is. Actually, it's not really, like, I don't know. There's, no, It's not really, like, about Scotland. No. If you if you know what I mean. No. I, I just, um, like, like, the first little thing on, like, Wikipedia was, like, it said Scotland. I was, like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I guess I didn't even think about that, really. Um, yeah, so it is a crime thriller, but it's not really, like, yeah, I'll get into it. So it was published in 2004. Um, I'll read this little bit of a summary here. Let's see, where did I have it? It's right here. Okay. A family, uh, this is my, I think this is kind of a shitty summary because I boarded the book from the library and I gave it back so I don't have the actual summary. <laughs> but this is, this is what it says on Goodreads. A family reunited as a blizzard descends from the north on Christmas Eve. Several people converge on a remote family estate in Scotland. Stanley Oxenford, director of a pharmaceutical research company, has everything riding on a drug he is developing to fight a lethal virus. 
a brewing storm. Several others are interested in his success too. His children, at home for Christmas with their offspring, have their eyes on the money he will make. Tony Gallo, forced to resign from the police department in disgrace, is betting her career on keeping the drug safe. And a local television reporter, determined to move up, has sniffed the story, even if he has to bend the facts to tell it. A house under siege. (laughs) So, like... Oh my god. A sinister gang spots an opportunity to use one of Stanley's children's uh, oh god, children against him and steal the virus. As everyone takes shelter, it becomes apparent that being inside the house may be more dangerous than the storm outside, especially when a lethal virus might be on the loose. Okay, honestly, that description is like way more dramatic than the book actually is. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, the like... Um, so Tony Gallo is the main character mm-hmm. and she's like an ex-cop who's now like the security director of this pharmaceutical lab that Stanley Oxenford owns. And he's like a big rich guy who has a big Scottish estate on the, the moors. And um, so, she, yeah, so she was, I can't remember if she left the police department. Anyway, it's not important. So she's now the security director. So she's like handles um security for this lab and in the lab they're testing they're doing a bunch of animal testing to find a drug to cure like really serious diseases so like the disease that this book mainly focuses on is like a an offshoot of ebola and it basically just makes you like bleed out of your eyes and nose and like you hemorrhage to death great what a time to read a book like this <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll get into it don't worry but okay so the book is told so that that there is that at the beginning of the book the book is told from like kind of like hourly perspectives i don't know how to describe it so like basically it starts at like 4 a.m on christmas eve right and tony realizes that there is a sample of this drug that's missing and no one has checked it out and there hasn't been anybody in the lab or blah 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 whatever mm-hmm. however she realizes it and then they realize that this this guy has been missing from work well he was supposed to be at work today and he isn't there and he was on vacation for two weeks and he was supposed to come back this day and he doesn't show up so they're like, okay, it was probably this guy. They go to, they can't get a hold of him. So they go to his house. They realize that they, he said that he was um, visiting his mother. They find out his mother was like, has been dead for a year. So he lied. So they're like, okay, this guy fucking stole it probably. Yeah. So they go to this guy's house and they find that, found out that he stole a rabbit. One of the rabbits that was infected with the, with a virus. Mm-hmm. And he tried to use the drug on the rabbit and then on himself. He fucking dies. The rabbit's dead too. Everybody's dead. And they're like, great, we did it. We fixed the problem. But then, so the book is also, so it's told like kind of hourly and sometimes like half an hour or five minute increments, which is actually kind of interesting because. It makes it very, like, it's very straightforward. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but I love it when books have short chapters 
because I'll just read a chapter and be like, oh, that was so fast. I can read another one and then I can read another one. And it, it's like, it feels like you're reading faster, but it's just that the, like, you're shifting perspe- perspectives more often, maybe. And it yeah. makes you feel like. I definitely, because I was like, knew I was on a time crunch for this book. I um was like, okay, so chapter two, that's like 20 minutes. Then it's like six minutes, seven minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, seven minutes. I was like. Oh, brilliant. I'll burn through this, no problem. And then yeah. it gets closer to yeah. the end, and there's like a 20 minute, and then like yeah. one of the ones is like one minute 30. So yeah. that must be like a murderer one, because it's so <laughs> short. And then it's like, the closer it gets to the end, they're pretty much all over the 10 minute mark. Um, some what the One of them's like 30 minutes, except for two that are like really small. But like it just made it so much easier for me to be like, okay, this is like how many chapters, and it's like gonna go through really yeah. quickly. Um, yeah, it was the same thing with the ebook. I didn't listen to the audiobook, but like my mm-hmm. like the app that I use for the library is like it'll tell you how many mi- or pages are left. I think like the the most there was in one chapter was like eighteen. Yeah. So I really like that. And anyway, so but each usually each like our period is told from a different person's perspective so i think there's tony there's kit which is um stanley oxenford's youngest son and one of one of the daughters Uh Uh, i think that's it oh no and then there's also one of the um one of the grandchildren which I was like, this is weird, but he ends up he ends up being kind of important part of the story. Um, so it's told from different perspectives, and it's told like on an hourly basis, um, and it starts on like Christmas Eve and it ends like Christmas morning, mm-hmm. or like, yeah, like Christmas Day. Um, so anyway, so this guy steals the rabbit. They're like, okay, crisis averted. Like we don't need to worry about it. Turns out, Tony got the so kit stanley oxenford's son he mm-hmm. was like um employed at the pharmaceutical lab to, he was he has like a computer science degree so he like set up a lot of the security equipment he set up like the labs like computers basically but then it, when tony was hired she found out that he was siphoning money somehow okay and so she like brought it to stanley's attention and he fired his own son so this stupid guy is like really butthurt about that and decides, well, he's also butthurt because he goes to his dad because he's in a lot of gambling debt and his dad's like, it, it seems like he's rich, but turns out he has all of his money like wound up in this pharmaceutical lab. So he doesn't really have a lot of extra money to give him, but he has like all of this gambling debt. So he's like, dad, give me some money. I need money. And the dad's like, no, I don't have any money. And also you got yourself into this mess. You got to get yourself out. So he's butthurt about that. He's like the typical, like, um, youngest child where he's just like, everybody needs to take care of me all the time. It's kind of like, um, have you seen Knives Out? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I like Chris Evans, his character. I don't think he's the youngest though, but like he, I think Chris Evans might be a bit smarter than this guy though. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I read like a behind the scenes things about like his character and there's so much you can pick up on. 
Um, it's been a long time since I've watched that movie, though, so maybe I need to rewatch it again. Yeah, to know. Like he's wearing about. like at one point like a really um, like nice sweater, but if you actually look at the sweater, it's like obviously like been well made, but it has holes in it, so it's showing that he's actually like he's from money, but he's also still like he doesn't have a lot of like expendable cash, but also at the same time. He's clearly wearing these things because he knows, like, of like the symbol they have. But, mm, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so random shite for you to hear. No, I love it. Um. So, okay. So he has a lot of gambling debt. He goes to his dad. His dad won't give him the money, so he's pissed at his dad and his entire family, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he owes a bunch of money to this one guy, like I don't know, loan shark, whatever kind of situation i don't really know how to gamble so that's that's what it is yeah um so he makes this plan with this gang to steal i think he thinks originally that they're gonna steal the drug and they're gonna sell the drug and make a lot of money off of it Mm -hmm. but it turns out once you get into it that they actually steal the virus and they're gonna try to infect a bunch of people it's like a ter- it's like a terrorist cell basically. Uh, so it's right. not really like a yeah. It's not really like a mystery in the typical sense because it's like you know who yeah. who does like you have the perspective of Kit a lot and you have like so like Tony obviously but you're kind of the omniscient narrator like yeah. You 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 know what's going on like Tony obviously doesn't know what's going on but yeah. like you have all the perspectives. So, I mean, it's still, like, a thriller and that there's, like, you know, they're, like, stuck in a blizzard and they have to figure out how to, like, travel safely and it's, like, a virus and there's, like, a lot of people could die and blah, 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 blah all that stuff. Seems, like, very like, James Bondy in the sense, like, I'm pretty sure one of the ones recently kind was of. about, like, a, a virus that can be used as, like, terrorist-y kind of, but... At the same time, it's also giving me, like, um, a different vibe that is evaporated from my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Okay. Sorry. Clearly, well, this is, like, the Mondays. The Monday vibes that uh, you're yeah. just going to have to live through with us. Um, uh, because we make uh, yeah. poor decisions and, <laughs> and decide we're going to record on a Monday. Yeah. Monday and Monday night. Yeah. Um, okay, so he. <laughs> this is what fucking scared the shit out of me, actually, and I didn't find this until the end. <laughs> because in the acknowledgments, it says that he did research at like a similar facility in Winnipeg, which is a five hour drive from here. So thank you for the fucking anxiety on that one, because what if that happens? <laughs> And I'm only five hours away from, like, the potential, like, release of a fucking terrifying virus where you bleed from your face and die. (sighs) Well, the government's not telling us shit anyway, so um, best not to think of things like that. Well, now it's just in my head. Yeah, it's just there. Living there (laughs) rent-free. Exactly. Um, Yeah, so, like I said, I wasn't sure, like, which one I was going to do. And I 
my like I said, my dad doesn't read, so I couldn't really ask him for advice. So I was just like scrolling through the um the library. And they did have like a dad's pick because this is obviously before Father's Day. Yeah. So I like scrolled through that a bit. And then I was like, I don't know, like, uh, like, what am I? I don't even know what I was looking for. So then I tried to search something in the search bar and I got to the search bar and I was just like, what am I even what kind of like what? I can't just write like books for boys. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I didn't know what to type. So I tried like type like crime thriller. Like I tried like suspense thriller. And, like, nothing was really sticking, and, like, it seemed like, like you said, a lot of them were, like, series. Yeah. And, like, it would pop up, not as the first one, but it would be, like, number 53 in the theory- in the series. And I'd be like, well, I don't really want to, like, I realize that a lot of those books, like you said, are probably, like, you could, you could read them as standalone, mm-hmm. and you'd be fine. I was like, oh, I don't really want to, like, read uh, somewhere in the middle and, like, not know what's going on. Yeah. Um... So I end up picking, I ended up picking this one because um, this one was recommended to me by a very good friend. His name is Zach. So shout out to Zach. Woo. He's not a dad to my knowledge, uh, but <laughs> he, has, he has, he has dad energy. I don't know. Maybe he will not appreciate me saying that, but I think he has dad energy, but he recommended this to me because he feels like we're not doing enough adventure novels okay so he does listen then so this is what he recommended to me and once again i just want to fucking say where do men get the audacity (laughs) like (laughs) i'm sorry but why do men think that like everything has to be accommodating to them and they should be a part of everything like maybe this podcast isn't for you zach okay (sighs) <sighs> anyway <laughs> i i appreciate i i do appreciate the rec though it was a good book <laughs> and i i did enjoy it a lot a lot so thank you for the recommendation but still where do men get the audacity oh, I, I'm, I feel like yeah. i'm gonna say that a lot while reading this review as well but anyway anyway mm. every book that i like searched on this like search while I was looking on the library to see if I could find something to do. A lot of them had like a female protagonist. And I just found that very interesting because I would think that men would want to read about men. You right? Okay. I remembered now, sorry, this is going off topic and going back to my book for just a hot second. Yeah. So Joseph always loves to like comment about like police procedurals, particularly British ones, where it's like this haggard cop. Actually, hold on a second. I'm going to get him to come through and explain. Great. Yay, Joseph, guest star. Okay. I just need you to explain, um, just like very briefly, (laughs) the. Like, you always talk about, like, British procedurals follow a very, like, set thing. Like, there's, like, a male who's, like... Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Stay here for a second. You gotta Joseph speak into the mic. Oh, Joseph is also wearing a Tuck Frump shirt. I just want yes. that to be known. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Joseph. Well, my, uh... Welcome to the pod. It's good to be here. <laughs> First appearance. 
Well, um, I've been instructed to relay a piece of information uh, out of context. Uh, something Kirsten and I talk not about. Not out of context for us. It's not. We talk about a lot. I'm very, very much into British dramas, crime shows. Um, and if you're going to watch a, a, a British crime drama, it will inevitably feature a disgruntled and probably disheveled um, male who is in all likelihood single or divorced who has a troubled relationship with their son and or daughter. <laughs> okay. And this is, you know, you can't, it's, it's, I think it's a law actually in Britain if they're going to make a TV show, <laughs> crime show, in fact, these have to be in there. There's like a, a, a state, um, I don't know, state officials, they, they review every script. Yeah. They look for all these these features. If it's not in, bam, throw them right in the garbage. <laughs> no, one, no one can watch it otherwise. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Joseph. Love you. <laughs> um, it's true. Yeah. I get what he's saying. It's true. So, um, yeah, my entire book falls into that category. Yeah. Um, sorry, I can't remember why we got onto it, but I was just like... Well, I was yeah. saying how it was interesting because every book that I was looking at oh, yeah. had, like, a female detective. Usually yeah. it was a female detective. And I just thought, like... That's totally not the norm. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. Maybe it's just because they were new or maybe like the library is trying to be like woke or something like that. But and like yeah. now there's a lot more like I feel like there's a lot more books like because like there's the Bones mm-hmm. ones like Kathy Reichs. There's um, Louise Penny. I like popped up a lot. And I was like, well, even the one that I read, um, like I found you by Lisa. Jewell. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I definitely have like, more like I'd say female category of a traditionally male-dominated area. Yeah, but, like, I think that there's definitely thrillers made for women, though. Yeah. Like, I think Lisa Jewell definitely falls under that category. Like, I feel like Colleen Hoover is, like, female thriller. Like, even that one that I read, like, not, like, I I think I talked about it on the podcast a bit when I was reading it. It was called The Wives. And, like, basically all those books. I feel like so many now that's kind of the hot genre i feel like right now is like the thrillers and it's like family drama usually like there's a lot of domestic abuse there's like fit like like parental stuff like just trauma all around yeah i don't know i don't really know why women are so into that but i guess there there you have it that's made for them um yeah but then there's like these ones where, where was I going with this? Anyway, I just thought, like, that was interesting. And, like, yeah, Louise Penny, like, Louise Penny just wrote one with, like, Hillary Clinton. So, and, like, I that one popped up a lot even when I searched for, like, Father's Day picks or whatever. But I was like, I gotta do something by a man. Like, come on, we gotta, we gotta, that's we like, gotta throw them a bone sometimes. James Patterson just wrote one with Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. Didn't he also write one with Hillary Clinton, too? He wrote one with Bill Clinton. Bill, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> let me just double check. I'm pretty sure he just wrote one, so. Yeah, he's been. I don't like. I, I don't really get what he's doing because he's writing a lot no. with like a bunch of other people. Like he's like guest writing or like they he's letting other people guest write on him. I guess he's just got. He's written so many books and he's like so yeah. prolific that like. He's just. His book. This is ridiculous. Like. I thought Ian Rankin had a lot of books. Not at all. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. 
the president's daughter with Bill Clinton. Um, mm. Yeah, Run Rose Run with Dolly Parton. Yeah. I wonder if that one would be good, but maybe, maybe I can look into that one. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Yeah, so- she has a, an accompanying studio album. Oh, interesting. Which is like there? It's like a companion album to the novel. Okay. Yeah. Um. And I just I had a lot. A lot of them still. So a lot of these books that were had like the female protagonists still were written by men. Mm-hmm. And I feel like like Ken Follett does a pretty good job of writing a realist. It's de- it's debatable whether or not his character could like his main character of Tony could be considered realistic. She's very mm-hmm. unemotional, which I feel like that again, I'm, I, okay. Maybe I should say that I feel like I'm generalizing a lot of men here, <laughs> but I've just, well, did they do the same. True. True. So I, I'm generalizing a lot. I'm not saying all men are like this, but based on stereotypes i think that's probably the kind of woman a man would be fine with reading about because she's very like analytical she's very no nonsense like she's kind of i mean i don't want to say she's mannish because she's not like she she is described as being feminine still but she's just very unemotional and yeah. I actually did enjoy the description. Like, I didn't, I'm not gonna say I enjoyed it, but I was pleasantly surprised by the description of her because he wasn't like talking, it wasn't gross. (laughs) Yeah. So I was surprised by that. It was just very no nonsense, and she's very no nonsense. So I, like, he just, like, she just describes, and it's her, it's her describing herself. So um, she's just like, this is who I am, this is how I look, basically. Yeah. Um, it's just really funny because at one point she describes um her ex like being in a relationship, a long term relationship. I think that they were like together for like eight years or something like that, and he was also a cop. And yeah. she just basically says, We were together for eight years, we broke up, and she was like on the outs at work I think or something like that and after that he broke up with her and she was like it just she was like it still hurts that was it that was the end of the sentence (laughs) it goes on to another like topic after that and it's just like that's the that's the extent of the conversation she's like sometimes it still hurts (laughs) and I just thought that was funny because it's like men do not want to read about women's feelings at all (laughs) Was she, like, talking to another female? No. It was, uh... It was, like, a self-thought? Yeah, it was just a thought. Because she had to, like, contact the police when... Because it's protocol when, like, there was a theft from the, the lab. So she was thinking, like, reflecting on her relationship with, like, the guy who's the superintendent or whatever they're called. They're called something there that I can't remember the word. But she's like, I'm going to have to contact him because he's the, the guy in charge. So she was just I... like, just like self-reflecting. And she was just like, he left me. It hurt. Next topic. The end. Yeah. And I was just like, my God, like they cannot handle like a woman's emotions. 
I was gonna say maybe it's just not how my head works but I like work that's where sometimes I, I find that I stumble on the podcast because my brain tends to work like three topics ahead of where I'm actually at oh, yeah. um so there would be so much inner dialogue to cover oh, with yeah. that like, be like, one little statement oh, that... this is how I felt at this time and now I'm feeling a bit better but sometimes I still think like that yeah, and, but even the fact that you put on a voice saying that shows that we automatically think of something like that as being purely like women, a feminist yeah. and women thing. Yeah. Like, so I thought that was interesting. But they, uh, I also thought it was interesting that he, so Tony and like Stanley, so the guy who is owns the lab. They Mm -hmm. end up, like, in kind like, she talks about, like, having a crush on him. Mm Mm-hmm. And... (sighs) So, he doesn't, like, he doesn't want to write about a woman having feelings. But he describes them hugging. And it's in Tony's, like, Tony's, from Tony's perspective. And they hug. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm wet. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. So you can't handle a woman's emotions, but it's like you, she gets wet at the like slightest touch. Like they hug. That's it. That's all they do. I'm just like, well, yep. Any males who are listening out there, um, that's not how that works. That is not how it works at Um, all. I mean, even. And you know, there are some times where you're like, Jesus. Like, why is this happening right now? Well, like, even if you're attracted, but other times, even if you're yeah. attracted to the guy, it's like, and you hug, like, I, I don't know. But yeah, like, it's not like, like you all of a sudden are like, ooh, I'm attracted to him. Like, let the fucking waterworks flow. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's not how that works. No. And even sometimes when you are caught off guard, like, I find that like with women, you can get aroused at any moment. Same as with the guy. Yeah, like, sure. If like. Like, I don't know, like, sometimes your underwear, like, moves, happens with guys. Your jeans move in a different direction. All of a sudden, you're like, fuck. Yeah. Where'd this hard-on come from? That works the same with, like, different anatomy, too. Yeah. But it's not, like, a trigger point where you, like, touch a a guy and then, like, oh, my God. You're so turned on. Or, like, whoever you're attracted to. Like, it's not just, like, fucking floodgates are open. Like, um... Which, thinking about that, so, so sorry, this is where my brain has, like, gone off in a different direction. When, like, women are sexually assaulted and men are like, well, she was, like, she was wet and whatnot. Yeah. Like, no, no that, that is your way. body reaction and that is also not how that mechanism. works either. It's a defense mechanism and um, that doesn't mean that she's saying yes. Yeah. Or that they're saying yes. Like, does not mean that at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just thought oh, that yeah. was like an interesting, and those two sentences are not that far apart. Like, like I think like the part where she's talking about her relationship was like in the what f- like first or second chapter, and then the ne- like when he like hugs her, it's like after they've had a press conference uh, about. Mm-hmm all the stuff that's going on. So they're really not that far apart. I just thought it was interesting that it's like fine to think a woman is sexually aroused, but like for her to have feelings other than 
Oh, like I'm, yeah. Anyway, uh, so like I think you kind of talked about this as well, but like it's very it's written very straightforward. Like there's not a lot of like flowery prose or anything like that. It's not like super descriptive really like it's descriptive enough to like set the scene for you but it's like straightforward it's like this is the story this is what's happening and i think that's a like it sets the pace really well and it's like kind of hooks you from the beginning yeah and i definitely felt that with my book except mine did have and i wouldn't say it was more like flowery prose it was definitely like more poetic in the sense of like you could tell that he was like straight out of school almost yeah. and maybe it helps because i read that at the very beginning to know that he was straight mm. out of university but yeah. like there was like where he's obviously thinking about the fact that like this is his second book like i really have to like put the work and effort into like making it a certain way but um yeah but not descriptive in the sense of like fantasy like fantasy if you look at like so um mm, yeah yeah like Tolkien and yeah. things like that where they can spend like yeah. an entire like paragraph describing like how the gr- uh, how the grass was glinting in the sun yeah like, that's not how like these are framed at all yeah um, so I actually like that part and I like I find that like male authors mm-hmm. usually write more that way and I do enjoy that like the Da Vinci Code and stuff like that I really liked yeah quick pace get to the point yeah there's like a drive behind the book yeah and sometimes i do find that like with certain like um fiction that is more targeted towards like a female audience like yeah it's like okay um all right yeah i understand that you're falling deeply into his <laughs> lovely blue pools of eyes like <laughs> yeah there's only so many ways you can describe eyes without it being like, all right, yeah, he's got eyes. It's good to know that he has them yeah. on his head. <laughs> like, yeah, like sometimes it's nice just to have like the story told to you, and yeah, yeah. Which there are certain books that I've read, um, and completely omitted certain sections of it, like, um. I've I can freely admit that I have read all the Fifty Shades of Grey books. Did I really read them for the like the sexy stuff? Not really. I just wanted to know what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like a lot of the times I, I was that. like, all right, flick. Like I was yeah. like skim over the pages because I just wasn't interested in that. Yeah. Particular style of. I don't know. Yeah. Sexual <laughs> writing. I don't know. Yeah um yeah so i actually did enjoy that that part of it and it was easy to read and like i don't know if i'll be thinking about this book like 10 years from now but it was enjoyable it was like it was enjoyable to read and it was an interesting story um so i did say that i was surprised at the description of tony and that it was like not gross but then i found what i was waiting for (laughs) when the author describes a woman named Daisy, who is the daughter of the guy who Kit owes a lot of money to. And mm-hmm. she's basically described as like his henchman. So she's like the muscle, basically. She like is described as having like a shaved head, like really like a bigger woman, but like muscular, not like big. Yep. Um so 
Okay, I'll read the description of her and like <laughs> we can talk about it because it is something else. Okay. Daisy must have been keeping an eye on him for she immediately climbed out of the pool. Okay, also he like goes to this guy's house or whatever to uh, discuss the plan or maybe he goes to back out because I think like one of his sisters calls him and he's like, we want to like invite you back to Christmas. Like you should come. We're a family. And so I think he's starting to have he's... okay second thoughts. Can So they're in a pool, but they're in Scotland at Christmas. I'm taking it as an indoor pool. I think so. But I did. It has to be. I did think of that because I was like, there's literally a huge snowstorm. That's like the entire point of the book. So it has to be an indoor pool. Anyway. She did not take off the gloves. She had powerful shoulders and arms. Okay. So also she gets that, like, it's before this, uh, he says that she's like swimming naked, by the way. But she's wearing gloves? Yeah. She's always wearing gloves for some reason. It never explains why. Because it also talks about later, she's wearing like a really feminine pair of suede gloves and he finds that weird. I don't know. It never does, it never says why. <laughs> Maybe it's just to give the illusion of a tough, a tough girl. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> she had powerful... I have so many questions. I know. <laughs> she had powerful shoulders and arms. Her shallow breasts hardly moved as she walked. Kit saw that she had a tattoo over one breast and a nipple ring in the other. When she came closer, he he realized she was shaved all over. She had a flat belly and lean thighs, and her pubic mound was prominent. Every detail was visible, not just to Kit, but to her father, if he cared to look. Kit felt weird. (laughs) And after I read that part, I was just like... You know, I did not expect the word pu- like the phrase pubic mound to be in this book. And I looked at Evan and I was like, who, like, I, cause I didn't, I, I don't think we talked about this episode. And I was like, I just read the word pubic mound in this book. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, is, ah! literally, this is what he said. He's like, was it written by a man? <laughs> and I was like, you, how? you bet it was. I don't know, because can you imagine a woman author writing the phrase no. pubic mound? Even in the <laughs> even in the dirtiest, sexiest book, like there I have never read the words pubic mound. <laughs> oh, I was just like I was almost just like I can't I can't go I can't go on if this book is gonna be like this. It's not this, that's but title of the episode pubic mound ba- uh, pubic <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't know if we could put that in the episode title. That is no. <laughs> uh. So like that's like the description of her, and it's like obvious, like it's sexual, but also like she's supposed to be scary. And so also the fact that like shallow, was it shallow breasts? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Like, are they concaved? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> No, I'm thinking they're meaning that she's like super muscular. She's she like almost doesn't have yeah. breasts. Okay. And like I understand that the certain imagery that they're going for is like bodybuilder, but yeah. like Oh yeah. Also that like the idea of pubic mound, sorry to like go back to this. <laughs> um, it threw me off for a second because he said like 
clean shaven all over. But to me, like pubic mound includes hair. Oh, like I don't know no, to me like yeah. that idea and then I was like oh my god I have to like change that like because like I don't know I build like an image in my head of what's being described yeah, sure and I was like oh yeah no he literally just said she shaved, shaved. Over. yeah so like it was like my vision had to like <laughs> you have to readjust wipe that out <laughs> and then the next thing was like describing like so what's the relation here again? Okay, like, so is he related to her? No, like he. This is but her dad's. Her there. dad's there, yeah, because he's the guy that Kit owes money to, and he's like going to talk about this plan. And so actually, after this, so after that, he, she, like, this is why I think he tries to back out because she like almost drowns him in the pool to like convince him to, like, they're gonna kill him if he doesn't get this money to them, basically. He owes them like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Hmm. So, yeah. So I just like I don't really understand what the point was of having her be this like henchman like character. Also, having her naked. Yeah. Why? But that's what I'm saying. It's like they he sexualizes her a lot and. It, it's brought up like a lot like her body and also at one point kit is like just thinking in his head like about the men that she has sex with or like what it would be like to have sex with her and it's just like what why there's no it adds absolutely nothing to the story like she doesn't have sex with anybody in the book mm-hmm. like none of the characters in yeah. the book have sex with her and he he's just always const like Kit is constantly sexualizing her, and maybe that speaks more to him as a character because he's like ch- he's he's young, like he's in his early twenties, and he's kind of like emotionally immature because obviously he grew up very privileged and all that kind of stuff. So, like maybe it's just more okay. of a reflection on the character than the author. But I just I don't understand why he needed to sexualize her so much like she could have just been a big scary henchman so i also have opinions about this okay, too right let's um, hear it in regards to like disney so i don't know i think you recently watched encanto mm-hmm. right yeah loved it so louisa is the like big strong sister who like can carry anything and like the burdens of her family all that stuff yeah love her yeah so do apparently a bunch of children who have seen Encanto. So they made a whole bunch of dolls of the sister with like the flowers and stuff in her hair that mm. can make flowers yeah. here everywhere. Yeah. And then I think that they didn't make as many dolls of the, like Louisa, but there was so much demand for them. That they had to like rethink. Oh yeah, I think I heard about Disney this. Disney didn't think that little like girls and little boys and stuff would be interested. Yeah. In her character because she's like the strong woman. Yeah. They thought they would be more interested in the character the that has flowers, flowers yeah. in the pretty flowers. Yeah. And I think since then, um, there's also been—is it Disney that's also bringing out She-Hulk? Uh, well, yeah, because it's Marvel. Yeah. Fun fact, so, she's from Regina. Oh, yeah. cool. So, there's been a bit, or this is according to Joseph. I haven't done a lot of, like, 
research into this or anything but i was really pissed about the encanto thing um because why shouldn't like women be strong strong, like why shouldn't women be strong like fuck right off with that idea but um when you look at like she hulk when they've actually like changed how she looks she just looks like a a big female yeah 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 Whereas Hulk actually looks like a different being. Yeah. So how well, she has to is that? I think that's you're right because like me and Evan watched the trailer together and I was like, well, you know, she still has to be hot. Like, <laughs> she still has to be hot, but also, um, what does that say about women who are bigger, mm. who are just like taller and slightly broader and stuff? What does that say about them? Yeah. Are they now this like other being? Yeah. Like. Yeah yeah not yeah, it's not great it's not great <sighs> yeah so but yeah and she's like literally a psychopath like she bl- like almost bludgeons two characters to death in the book and then like li- like the next sentence he's like i wonder what it's like to have sex with her it's like why couldn't she have just been terrifying like she could have just been a, a like a villain she didn't need to be like a sexual object as well yeah which also so on the other side of it he has this guy so um there's the this journalist who like gets a hold of the story and he's kind of like a a, like a tabloid journalist like he sensationalizes stuff so like they really don't want him to get a hold of the story because he's the of the way he does his stories and he's like bffs with tony's ex-boyfriend like the um the the police guy yeah so he actually there's a whole thing where he like he tips off his friend to the story and he like has this whole story and they find out that it was him because she told him she told her ex-boyfriend that it was a a hamster named fluffy but it was a rabbit i can't Mm -hmm. remember if the rabbit had a name but that's how they figured out that it was like this superintendent guy who tipped off the journalist was because he like the, in the story they said it was a hamster named fluffy yeah but then so after he like he's at the press conference and afterwards he goes up to tony and he's like hitting on her and trying to ask her out even though like she dated his best friend for like eight years yeah. gross already but then she where does i can't remember where she is but he shows up and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. like, we should go to dinner. I have reservations right now. Let's go. And she's yep. like, no. And then he's like, look, I brought you a puppy. And I'm like, as soon as this happened, like, this whole scene was so fucking weird to me because they just don't talk about how weird that is. Like, obviously, Tony is, like, saying no and like she doesn't want to hang out with him but like the the book just acts like it's fine and like they don't really talk about it as being a problem and i'm like what like i for one thing it had no there was no reason for it to be in the story other than maybe to get him ingratiated into the story because he ends up back at the lab after like they find out that there's been another break-in but Cause like he like ends up coming with Tony to this lab anyway, but it's just so fucking weird to me that they don't treat him as like a stalker creepo. And like, 
like what? Like a woman author would. Like she would be like, this guy is being a fucking lunatic. Yep. And he kind of is be is painted as just like this eccentric. And I'm like, no, he's not eccentric. He is stalking this woman. He's buying her gifts, a puppy. Which is like completely insane. Like you don't buy someone a puppy as like a gift when you are trying to date them. Ah, I was just like, I don't understand why this is not being treated more seriously than it is. Like she should have called the cops on this guy as soon as he like brought her the puppy. It kind of seems like um, this author is kind of disconnected from women. I think, yeah, yeah, it's probably... And maybe <laughs> probably needed, an accurate um, to just, um, I don't know, talk to somebody. <laughs> Air some things out. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, maybe ask. Just ask the women in your life, like, hey, if I put this character in a book and he brings a woman a puppy, do you think that's weird? Now, I'm not gonna lie. If somebody did bring me a puppy, I'd probably be pretty fucking happy. But... But, okay, if it was in the it middle be, of a work crisis that you were, In like, the middle of a work crisis and some random dude came up to me with a puppy, I'd be like, okay, why? Yeah, it would be different if Joseph got you a puppy, but, like... Yeah. Anyway, I was just, I'd like... I'd be totally fine with, especially, like, I don't need to say what kind of... Uh, I, he already knows what kind of dog I want, so... <laughs> but... Yeah, I I just That's I would fucking weird. literally wrote in my notes. I was like, he, they are not treating this as seriously as they should be. <laughs> like they need to figure this shit out because this is not cool. <sighs> okay, almost done. I'm at the end here, so I'm I might spoil it a little bit. So the epilogue is a year after, so it's like set at Christmas, like the next year. Yep. So, spoiler alert, Tony and Stanley end up together. Okay. But, this is, like, a very, like, this is maybe specific to me, but, like, I hate it in books and movies when it's, like, one year later, and they're, like, married. Like, they're literally married already by next Christmas. And I'm, like, okay, so, like, maybe they're older. Like, she's, like, I think she's just as being either in her late 30s or early 40s and he's like in his 60s so like maybe you're older you don't you don't have much time to waste you know but like i cannot imagine marrying somebody after knowing them like she i guess they worked together but like it was a working relationship can you imagine being in a relationship with somebody for less than a year and then deciding to get married so did she marry the guy who gave her the puppy? No. She marries okay. the guy okay. who oh who owns the the lab. Okay. That's the one who like made her wet from hugging him. <laughs> and also it's like I somebody in one of the Goodreads reviews was like clearly this is what the author wants to happen to him cuz I think he's an older man, Ken Follett. And he's like, yeah. he just wants a 38-year-old woman to, like, have sex with him. That's what, like, this is, the, like, his fantasy. <laughs> and I'm just like... Oh, my lord. But, yeah, so, like, and it was, like, 
like earlier in the book, she was saying about how she was worried about like the daughters rejecting her because like they didn't want to have a like a quote unquote mother or stepmother who is their age. Mm -hmm. And then it's like at the end of the book, they're like completely fine with it. And it's like they're a big happy family and they're married after only a year. And it, yeah. like, they didn't even get together, like, they didn't even get together technically in the story. So they got together, like, after that. But they, like, they made it clear that, like, he also had feelings for her. But yeah. the, the same thing happened in the wedding date. Because in the wedding date, spoiler alert, at the end, it's, like, a year later after they get together. And... They he proposes like a, exactly a year to the day of like when they first met. I just I don't understand how that's like a realistic timeline. Yeah, like me and Evan were together for God, how long? Like five years when we got engaged, and then we got married after seven. Which I realized, like, we were young. There wasn't really an opportunity for us to get married, like, when we met. Which, like, we would have been getting married, like, when I was 19. If we... 19 or 20. If we were going to get married a year yeah. after we met. But, like, I didn't know. Like, and we barely... We had moved out by the time we were together, by the time we were 20. But... Yeah. Or, and he was 21, I guess. But, like, I didn't even know half the shit about him at that point. No, I know. Like, and I understand for some people it, like, it works. But even, like, I know people who, like, have been together for, like, now, like, ten years. Who, like, started dating, like, straight from high school. And, like, they have no interest in getting married. Yeah. But then I have, like, other people I know who like meet some d and then two years later are like married i also think that like i don't know like i'm completely fine with like long engagements a lot of people like and i think you guys were like what two years before you got married after you got engaged yeah and that was I think like that's the, a reasonable amount of time it was the best thing we ever did because it yeah. gave us a lot of time to like prep and like it, yeah. it also gave us a lot a lot of time to just enjoy being engaged like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people I know people don't... of, like, a lot of people, like, especially, like, within Canada, it feels like one year engagement is, like, the max that people do. And I'm like, that seems nuts. Yeah, sometimes less. Like, because, like, I'm pretty sure, like, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law got engaged in, like, September. And then they got married the next July. Yeah. Oh, so stressful. that's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> so stressful. Absolutely bonkers. I'm stressed just thinking about it. Yeah, even, like, um, my, like, brother-in-law and soon-to-be sister-in-law, like, it's June till, like, September, but, like, with, like, a whole year. Yeah. That, to me, seems like a really short period of time. Yeah. I had, like, nearly a three-year engagement, mm. and still, at times, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't long enough. <laughs> um, and now I'm, excuse me, <laughs> now I've nearly been married for a year, and I'm like, yeah, like, it was fine, but like I was freaking out. Um, yeah. And then I had to bring my wedding forward, and I was like, "What?" Yeah. I thought we were gonna get married in like 2025, so like, hmm. I I was like in it for like the long game. I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna get married eventually." It's um, just so fun to be engaged, like, and people then people yeah. like 
give a shit about you after you're married they're just like yeah so what you're married now i'm just somebody's wife (sighs) you're so much more than that (laughs) oh thanks christy i appreciate it yeah um anyway whenever i get something like in the mail that and i know it's like very traditional to like write it as like mr and mrs j burton Mm. part of me dies and cries a little bit don't care just like no don't care I (laughs) yeah I just changed my name too and it's been a it's been an adjustment yeah and like I like you don't even think about all the shit that you have to change your name on yeah it's just like why I technically still haven't changed mine I should have made Evan change his name anyway (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a major sidebar here um, um yeah that was just like the one thing that at the end that i was just like and also that that the part like the epilogue where they're like this one big happy family and they've gotten married and they're like having great hot sex and whatever it's that part was more corny than any romance novel i've ever read like it was so cheesy that i was like okay come on like okay <laughs> And I just found that, like, interesting that a man, like, a book written by a man would, like, have you know, that happy of an ending. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't make One sense, of my but. favorite, like, I'd say romance, like, books of all time, one day, it's written by a guy. But, like. True. Um, It definitely doesn't, like. I, it doesn't fluff up what doesn't need to be fluffed up, and it doesn't. It's a very true and honest depiction of life yeah. and love. Yeah. Um. It doesn't try to play into anything, and this, I think, the author maybe just has a certain idea of how that should be written, and that's how it yeah. was then written. Yeah. Maybe without taking the time and care to actually think about do a little research. Yeah. Yeah, so that was just my little thing at the end that kind of peeved me off. But like I said, ultimately, I really liked the book. Like, I had a good time. It was mm-hmm. a good adventure. It was kind of an interesting way to read a book. Like, I've never really read a book kind of in that style where it was kind of hour by hour. It's kind of like 24, which I've never watched. Yeah. But I've heard that that's how, like, the se- the seasons went. It was like an hour, like an hour in the day, and there was yeah. like 24 episodes a season yep so i've only seen a couple episodes but yes that's how it goes yeah um so yeah i liked it um yay i liked the writing style four out of five stars i'd probably recommend this one to my dad he'd probably like it and he might actually be able to get through it maybe it would just t- take him a couple of years like the rest of his books but mm-hmm. and you know what maybe even evan could read this one he would probably like it too yeah Okay. Yeah. So roughly both of our books we would recommend to dads, guys, and, and dads. Yeah. yeah. So this one's for the boys, as if you needed another one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And you know, oh no, I don't think I can fully commit to it. I was gonna say, you know, we'll slip in the stand at some point, please, Jordan. But then I remember what it's about, and then I'm like, ah, nah. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I that was my first Stephen King book, and I would be willing to read another one by him, but 
that the stand was like, oh god, I think it was like twice as long as it needed to be. I'm sorry, Jordan. We've already talked about this, but oh my god. It was... Yeah. And like, the end was actually interesting, but like, to Mm -hmm. get to the end was like way too long, I thought. Yeah. I also bought Joseph the Colorado Kid, which is like this size. So Stephen King? Stephen King, yeah. Mm, okay, so he has It sits ones. beside it, and it looks hilarious, because it's this tiny little book, and then it, it is, is huge. like, huge. Yeah. Oh my god, well, this was a long one again. <laughs> and this time yeah. we didn't even talk for two hours beforehand like we knew- normally do. I know. We like, what was it, 20 minutes? Yeah. We got and then right we got down it. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to remind the good people what our um, next yeah. read-along is and when it's coming out? Because I never remember, yeah. and you're always on top of it. Oh, shoot. I need to remember when it comes out, though. Um, I think August. Because I was surprised that it was already on. August. Yeah. So, our next read-along book is The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. And it will be coming out on August 4th. So you've got lots of time. This is like a month and a bit. Yeah. So, so read along with us. And we'll... Oh no, are we Are we saying that? No, I'm not. I won't say what? that. I was going to say, should I say um, we'll have a special guest for that episode? I think we already said it last time, but... Joseph? I don't know if we did, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, We'll have a special guest. Yeah. Joseph. He may have featured on... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yep. So if you want to tell us your thoughts on that book, on any books that we've ever read of all time, on these books. If you have any recommendations, too, um, oh. of what you think that we will enjoy or not enjoy to read, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. we're open to it. We're open um, to anything. <laughs> And we have listeners from all around the world. If there's a book that's in a language that we know we can get an English translation of, that would be kind of cool too. That would be super cool. Um, I would really enjoy doing yeah. that. You or can- if there's a book from like your hometown. Really, we just want people to like communicate with us. Yeah, um, please do. Um, email us at dearbearbookclub at gmail.com and you can find us on Instagram. Instagram? Instagram <laughs> as well at dearbearbookclub. Oh, I think we got to end it there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm exhausted. Me too. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.